Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming here this evening. We are in Haggai chapter 1, continuing where we left off last week. We'll try to get through a few more verses. Uh, what we have is uh, the Lord coming to Haggai to speak to the people in the year 520, which is about 19 years or so after they came back from captivity. They began feverishly uh, with a passion to la- build the altar, lay the foundation, uh, but then, of course, opposition arose. Now, these people that came back were people that the Spirit of God stirred to bring back, which would, uh, we would assume that they were people of the Word. They knew the truth. That's why they were alert to the Spirit's calling them back. And they returned Zerubbabel, the, the governor, Joshua, the high priest, and a, a group of people. They've settled in the land. They've been formed a new uh, province in the Empire of Persia, and they began building Opposition arose quickly. It was verbal. It was uh, threatening. Uh, they had complications with the transportation. There was bribery involved. There was lawsuits involved. And pretty soon it just became too difficult for them to continue to build and proceed with the temple. Now Cyrus had given them the decree to go build the temple. God had set them back to build the temple. Uh, and they all knew that was the purpose. But it became too difficult and so they, they stopped building. And now in 520, God moves through a prophet named Haggai to begin speaking to them. And I'll begin in chapter 1, verse 1, in the NIV first. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. So again, we're speaking to the leadership. This is a message from God through the prophet. So we think, we'd assume that just like the priest and the governor are recognized, Haggai is recognized as a prophet. It's not something that's just sprung on him somewhere. He doesn't, you know, jump out from behind a trash can in the streets of Jerusalem and start, you know, ranting and raving. He's got the office of prophet just like uh, Zerubbabel's got the office of governor and Joshua's got the office of the high priest. So they would recognize him. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Uh, these people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. From last week, two important words, the word et and the word bet. This is the word time, and this is the word house. And the people are saying the time has not yet come for uh, the Lord's house to be built. That's their conclusion. And the reason for concluding that is it's too difficult. It is too many complications. If God wanted it done... He'd make it easy. He'd pave the way. Uh, And now notice, what's going to come up important tonight about this is when we talk about the house of the Lord, the Lord's temple. Uh, We need to keep in mind, this is not just a place of of ritual and the place where the priests do their activities. This is the active uh, communication of the Word of God, the sacrifices, the Levitical ministry, the, the, the priests overseeing the people confessing their sins and all the details, it is the representation of the Word of God. It would be similar to uh, uh, us not having a Bible. Now, these people do not all have a, a Bible. This is, in a sense, their Bible, if you understand what I'm saying. This is where they go to... That's why they, they were structured with a, a routine. They had festivals. They had 
sacrifices. They had a schedule, a daily schedule, a monthly schedule, a yearly schedule to keep them, and they'd remind, they'd be reminded. The Levites were supposed to be teaching. Now, they have access to the Word of God. That's why, again, they were stirred by the Spirit because they knew what they were supposed to be doing. So to have no temple, it would be similar to not having the Word of God. They, they have no way of communicating. And we would all say the Word of God is important, and we'll make a commitment to hear the Word, learn the Word, know the Word of God. That is what we've got. But when things come, push comes to shove, you maybe don't have time, there may be opposition, uh, you maybe will abandon that. And that's what these people did. They abandoned the temple uh, because, well, they just couldn't get through, get, get it to get it done. Now remember what Jesus said, quoting Deuteronomy. We'll look at it here later on again. Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there's two levels of priorities here, and, and they're both important. Just like we talk about uh, being responsible to the kingdom of heaven, we also have to be responsible to the kingdom of earth that we are part of. If it be family, if it be occupation, if it be whatever it is, we need to be responsible. The Bible teaches that. So we need both the word of God and we need food. But what we can tend to notice is if I go without the word of God, life can continue. But all of a sudden I get hungry and I, 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 I need to find something to eat. Or maybe uh, you, you need to have these people have come from Persia. They need to move into a house. They need a shelter. They, I know in education talk about the seven basic needs of a person or a child, and one of them is shelter. They need shelter. Everybody needs shelter. Uh, and so you can neglect the Word of God, or you can neglect the house of God, but you start neglecting food, you're going to get hungry, you're going to get sick, you're going to starve. So when push comes to shove and you get hungry, natural tendencies are that you'll do anything you can to get food uh, i've never been extremely hungry i've been hungry like i'm impatient but i've never been hungry like i may not make it through the day so obviously this illustration i only know hunger like i'm really really hungry i don't know uh like i'm really really weak i haven't eaten for three days i don't know this uh but i know what it feels like to be hungry uh the same thing with shelter i don't know what it's like not to have a shelter i've always had a house i've always had some place to go home to uh but if push came to shove and i did not have food and i did not have shelter meaning a place to go i'll be like these people i would do anything i needed to get it done i would get food and i would find some place to sleep Again, whatever that would look like, if it's, you know, under a bench somewhere, if it's, you know, in your garage while you're not looking, uh, I, I will find some place to go. I will find an apartment, a cheap apartment, uh, and we have done all that as a family. I've moved through different types of housing situations. These people realize it's too difficult to build the house of God, and so they just go, well, we'll just let this go. But that's what they came from Persia for. But while they're waiting for God's timing to build the, the temple, which is right now, but it's too difficult, must not be now, they say, they get hungry and they need a place to live. 
Now, it's bad, it's difficult, and they do. They have opposition from building the temple, but remember, they've been deported into this land, and it wasn't an empty land. So they are living amongst people that don't want them there. But even in that situation, during those difficult times, they found a way to get a place to live. They found a house. They found a place to rent. But as we read through this story, God's going to point out, you not only found a place to live, you found extra time, extra finances to kind of decorate your house. Now in Israel, Jerusalem, what's interesting is to see all the old buildings, all the remains, and I've got a book we got coming out. I know, Larry, you said you wished you had a color one last time I put it, 2010. I've got color copies coming. The whole thing's going to be full color. I should have brought a box of it tonight. Uh, it, it should be, if you like the first one, 2010, I, I'm, I don't want to speak ahead of my time, but I, I think this is really nice. And it's got more information, more pictures. It's got 700 photos, which makes it more like a scrapbook uh, that you may say this is really confusing. But nonetheless, when you go look at Israel and these, the remains of you know, the Jebusites or David's day or the day of the Babylonian destruction or the New Testament times, what you have remaining is, is blocks of stones that are stacked up. And if you don't understand and if you don't have an imagination, uh, and not, not, not making up your own reality, but you can't see what's happening there, you think, man, these people like lived in rocks. Uh, and Tony once said, you know, she went to Israel and they said, what did you see? Rocks. And we'd go to this place, we'd get off the bus and walk around, and what do you see here? Rocks. The, everything was rocks. But it'd be like uh, a house that we live in, uh, in, in a couple thousand years, what is going to be left of our houses? You know, maybe we'll have a, a foundation, a basement foundation, and people say, this is where Galen Weemers lived. This is where Generation Word ministry took place. It's like, boy... He lived like in the ground in a hole with like these poured concrete walls. Boy, things were tough back then. It's like, well, no, no, no. We, we had like wood and, and sheetrock and insulation. And we had, we had stuff in our house. And the same thing when they talk about uh, these houses in Jerusalem. You go and look at them, it's like, man, they just lived in these block houses. Well, they'd put up block, or they'd stack block because it was plentiful. They would, they would quarry stones uh the temple was built out of ashler stones or asher stones uh but they didn't just walk in and have this stone temple they would then cover it with panels of wood and the panels of wood wouldn't just be like wood stuck on there like two by fours they'd be fit together jointed together they would be carved they'd have some kind of finish on them and it would be like it'd be very nice and then they'd have ornaments like or uh, decorations they'd have furniture a lot of times made out of stone, covered with wood itself. But a lot of times, a stone was the foundation or the base of what the thing was covered with. So these people, in this difficult time where it's too hard to build the house of God, they've got, they've got they're hungry, and they need shelter, so they find shelter. But things are, yeah, difficult because people don't want them there. But somehow, in the face of difficulty, just like you've had difficulties in life, you find a way through it. You, you get a place to live. You maybe add a little bit to it. You maybe add on a room. You maybe bring in some furniture. Uh, you decorate it. Uh, you know, buy some nicer 
kitchen appliances and you just got to keep tweaking it you know like the house we lived in now we've lived in this house since 1999 and when we, everything in the house has been changed except the the sliding door that goes out onto the deck everything has been changed i have taken everything out and put everything back in except the studs and some you know the the foundation and things all the doors are changed all the windows are changed i've added insulation i've added woodworking i've sh- taken sheetrock off or paneling off and put more sheetrock up everything's changed now that has been what i've done over 20 years i've tweaked the house which is what everybody that's normal it's not like well you're so special no you, you move into a house we'll take this but the first thing you start doing is we're going to paint that that when we moved in the house the, the living room was pink it was pink or mauve, or whatever you want to call it. It was, and to, when we came in, I'm just, you know, at that point in my life, six kids looking for a job. I'm glad we got a house. Beautiful. It, the, the, we got water. We got heat. We're good to go. Tony, I come home the first thing. What, what are you doing? I'm painting this. She's, right away, she's tweaking the walls. It's like, we're going to get rid of this pink mauve living room. And we went, we went on for that. That's what these people did. It's too hard to build the house of God. They've got opposition, political, religious, social opposition. They're living in a place that no one wants them, but they've got to have food, so they get it. And they've got to have a shelter, so they get it. All right, well, everyone's going to do that. But a day goes by, a second day goes by, and they tweak the house a little bit. In fact, as we read on here, we're going to find out they've taken wood and they've paneled their houses. They've got wood paneling their houses. You know, they're not just living in the stone. They've got their houses paneled. There's probably some decorations. There's some trinkets sitting around. It's like, it's, it's tough. It's been tough, but we've made it. Because you've got to have a shelter. Because we can't live, and they teach us in public schools, one of the things they do, the basic needs, you can't live without food. You can't live without shelter. And there's some other ones I don't really pay attention. I just need to get to my job and do my job and go home. But I remember food and shelter was one of them. It's a basic need of humanity. And they were taking care of that. What God is upset with is this right here, what Jesus says. Man does not live on bread alone, or man does not live on shelter alone. You're going to need the Word of God. Now, the average, especially in our society, in a a secular culture, we can come up with the list of the things, the basic things that you need to be a successful person in our, our, our culture. And they're all very secular, temporal food shelter whatever it is but not on that list there's not a number eight thing on they don't have on the on the list at school the eighth thing you need you also need the living word of god it's not there we don't recognize it in fact many times in our life we don't recognize it but if we're hungry i'm going to find food if i need a house i'm going to find a house get some kind of shelter well that's what these people did there's opposition to building the house of god so the time had not yet come But while they put that on hold, they realized the sun's going down. I need a place to sleep. It's supper time. I need something to eat. And they took care of that. Then the next day came and they solved it again. And pretty soon they've got themselves uh, some kind of an economic system going. They've got a grocery store. They've got gardens. They've got fields. They've got houses. You know what? Where'd you get that? Uh, That's a nice. And they bring it into their house. And someone started making them. They started having uh, uh, marketing, merchandising. They started producing having production shops were set up and pretty soon the economy is functioning and they're taking all that and well we still got i'm still not done with my house if you're remodeling your house are you ever done with your house i like to think i'm done but as soon as i think i'm done of course 
uh, something's pointed out to me that, you know, we need to fix that. And what's sad is if you lived in the house long enough, I remodeled the, ti- the kitchen 15 years ago. It was, uh, 15 years ago, I remodeled the kitchen. Now listen, I still call that kitchen new. If I was to sell that house and a, re- a real estate agent would come, I'd say, well, we've, we've got a new kitchen and we, we got a new roof, put a new roof on. La- we did last year, had to put a new furnace in again. And it's like, but you know, that, that kitchen is not new. I mean, it's 15 years old. It's probably dated. To me, it's new. And so the idea there is even if you do make a change, time is going to run on and you're going to have to fix it again because it's going to wear out. These people have been doing that. They've been doing it for 20 years. They've tweaked their house. They've probably put the kitchen in, remodeled the kitchen, threw the cupboards out, put new cupboards in because they got old. Well, when are we going to build the house again? Well, it's not time. It's too difficult. And God has had, he's had, tw- he's had enough of this. It's normal for people to get hungry. It's normal for people to get, find a shelter. But once you've got, you've got to have enough to say, we've got it. We've got this. We've got to get back to this. And they never did. And that's where Haggai comes in. Chapter 1, verse 2. This is what the Lord says. These people, again, remember that, that doesn't say my people, this people, these people, say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Et has not come for bet then the word of the lord and notice it comes like in in phases here verse three then the word of the lord came through the prophet haggai is it time for yourselves to be living in your own paneled houses in other words the time has not yet come for the house of god but is it at for you to build your bet and he doesn't just call it a house it's a paneled house now, that word paneled in the, in the Hebrew, you can see it. I've got it written down there somewhere. I'm looking. I'm on page four. I'm going over to page, because we're done with that. We're going over to page, oh, page six. Uh, it's the point five on page six. The word panels, you can see it in the Hebrew. It's the word sephunim. Sephunim, it's, it's plural. Uh, or roof. Uh, it comes from SPN, uh, which is uh, the root word that simply means cover. So they've got houses that have been covered. In the very basic, small, uh, most limited sense, it means it's got a roof on it. It's got a roof on it. But more likely, since God is saying, is it time to put a roof on your house? I mean, you kind of think, well, I've got a house, but we don't have a roof yet. Well, that's really not a house. So we're going to assume that if God is pointing out that you've got a covered house, that's why the translators go, I think it means, because it can mean more than just covered roof, it means your, your rocks, your blocks, your stone that you've built your house with have been covered. Not just the roof, but covered. Thus, we translate it in English as paneled. You've got a decorated house. You've finished your house. So the time at has not come for bet, the house of God, but yet it's time at for you to build your house and not just your bet, but your paneled bet. You've got a covered bet. You've got everything taken care of and you've, had, you've been doing it for 20 years. And so this is the concern and no one is worried about it. The problem is this. Now, you do not think God is jealous uh, again, God is jealous in different situations. But the idea not is God is not missing out. It's like God is not throwing a baby fit. You've all got houses. Where's my house? Because God makes it clear in Psalms and other places. 
I don't need anything from you. I don't need, he's not like, Where are you, when are you going to start honoring me? It's, it's not about God. It's about man does not live on bread alone, or man does not live in a house alone, but by every word of God, or you don't just need your house, you also need the house of God. And the house of God is the place where we communicate in, in the Old Testament, they would communicate the word of God or the truth. And if you do not have this, if you do not have the truth, you're going to have all these things, but eventually it's not going to make sense. Man does not live on bread alone, but you're also going to need the word of God. And that's where this is going. Uh, is it time for your, you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, this bet remains a ruin? Verse 5, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. And he's going to talk to them here a little bit. Let's go back to page 6. I want to point out some notes on here. Uh, Point 2 on the top of page 6, the difficulties were real, but the people were able to overcome the difficulties for their food and their house, and they did it for 20 years. If you can solve the problem of you getting a house and getting a panel, especially if you're a people living where no one wants you, you could have had time and had the energy and the resources to build the house of God. But when you're hungry, that's a big problem. When no one's teaching the Word of God, well, we'll be fine. Guys, no, that's not, no, that's not the case. You need shelter and you need food, but you also need the Word of God. And as hungry, like Paul Peter says, like newborn babes, crave the pure spiritual milk of god's word a baby doesn't just say mom i'm hungry Uh, can i get something to eat the baby throws a fit the baby cries the baby is unresolvable until the baby is fed that is what peter tells the christians he's writing to towards the end of his life if no one's teaching you the Word of God, you throw a stinking fit, you act like a baby until you get the pure milk of God's Word. So this temple is not about, well, God needs His place. God's been fine. He's the one who burnt it down, and He'll burn it down again in history, where we're at in history in the Bible. It's not that He doesn't have a place to sleep. It's they do not have a place to receive the Word of God and stay with the routine that God is trying to communicate to them the truth. And so, they had time to take care of the food. They'll be fine without the Word of God or without the truth. And God says, that's not the way this is going to work. Interestingly, point three, David built a palace but soon realized that he should build a house for God. And we could go back there and look at that. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 2. Nathan's over at David's palace one evening uh you don't know exactly what was going on i assume they're like watching a football game on monday night or something and uh they're sitting there talking david says you know what nathan uh you know uh what what king david he says i've uh i've got this nice paneled house we got this big screen tv and we're enjoying beverages here and you know the whole time the lord's is in a tent the ark of the covenant is sitting out there in a tent outside he says i think it's time if I'm going to be in a palace like this with cedar panels, it's time we build something like that for the Ark of the Covenant. And Nathan says to him, David, that's a great idea. Whatever you have in mind to do, go ahead and do it. And the game came back on. They watched the rest of the game. Nathan went home that night. 
That night, Nathan had a dream. God came to him and said, you go tell David, you're not going to build me a house. It's your son who's going to build me a house. And Nathan went and told David the story. He says, no, you are not the one. You, you're a man of war. Uh, this is not your responsibility. Your son is going to build a house for you. And thus the story goes. The point there being, David, in his palace, had enough sense to look around and say, you know what? This is not right. We need a place to put that ark, and we can start having some serious activity over there with the Ark of the Covenant. And that's point, point three, 2 Samuel chapter 7. In the Hebrew, if you look at there, the very first phrases, uh, I'm on back on page 5 looking at the Hebrew. Uh, uh, it's the verse 4, it says, And, it says, or time for you, and you is there twice, you yourselves, even you, and that you, the fact you is used twice, and it's in the front of the sentence, it means this is emphatic. This is what he's talking about. You, you yourselves, you've got time. You've got time for you. That's what got, you've got time to take care of what you think, but you don't think you're going to take care of the priorities that I think are important. Uh, there's the point five, the word panels. Also point six, ruins. He says, while my bet remains a harab, H-A-R-E-B, harab, ruins, that has the ideal of dry. It can be translated in a variety of ways, but it has the idea of dry, for example, talking about the dry grain in Leviticus chapter 7, verse 10. While God's house remains dry or laying in ruins, what's interesting there is he's going to pick up that same word in verse 11, because you've left my house dry or in ruins, that's how it's translated, which is a fine translation, God is going to send a drought. And that is the same word as up in here. You've given me drought. I'm giving you drought. We're done here. And I'm going to start punishing you for the fact that you've taken the resources that I've provided or that were available. Now, God may not have brought it in, you know, and just set it right there. says, here it is, build the house uh, of the Lord. But... The resources were clearly there because what? Well, we, we have no resources. Well, where are you all living? Oh, come over to my house. Well, it's like, you have no, re- but you've got a house. What, why can't everyone like give a, a, a block or a panel and you all build the Lord's house? Well, it's, it's too hard. And so it, you see, it's, it's not making sense here for them. And so God has called this to them. And here we go, verse five. I'm looking at the notes yet. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts. So if in a sense, you've had three messages, you know, three phases of this, and it's a disputation argument. This is Haggai, and again, let me say it again, Haggai speaking, but this is the Lord going to the leadership. He is bringing a dispute to the leaders. The Lord is speaking directly to the leadership through the prophet, and he's arguing with them. He says, this is what's happening why do you got time to build your house? And then he says, now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts. And remember, we talked about Lord of hosts last week. Host would mean armies, military. It refers to angels. And so this Yahweh of hosts would refer to, he is the Lord of the angelic armies. The armies that rule the nations, that he's put the angels in charge of the nations, like we see in, in, in Daniel and other places. The king of Persia, the king of Greece. He is the Lord of all that. He is now telling you, you need to consider your ways. And so in other words, what he says right here, think. 
You're going to have to think. You're going to have to do some analysis. And he's going to make it simple for you. And he's going to give them five things. Here's a list of five things. I've got them written down, oh, broken down on page 7. Planting, food, drink, clothing, and wages. And the first thing he starts off with is planting. They've had much. You planted much. But you've also had uh, food. You've also had clothing. You've also had drink. And you've also had wages. Now, this idea of wages... Uh, is it, it means labor. It means work, labor, and you're going to get paid for it. What's interesting right here with this, you're, I think, uh, I'm looking in the NIV here quick. Yeah, I don't say, I think it's, everything says wages. Yep, that's a good translation, wages. But those wages may have been in the form of a coin, which, again, this is just a side note. Uh, the first coins to appear, because they're going to be putting their wages in a purse. They're going to be putting, so I mean, how do you put your wages? If, if your wages is a, an animal, you don't put it in a purse. If your wages is, you know, uh, some kind of grain, you don't put it in a purse. If you're going to put it in a purse, it's probably going to be a coin. So we make that connection. So the wages, it doesn't say coin in the text, but the way they're using the wages, receiving the wages, and losing the wages gives the impression of a coin and this is the first time in archaeology when where coins show up in israel is during this persian when they come back from persia you start finding in the excavation layers you start finding uh the very first coins which would match interestingly just one of those interesting things that matches the verse so we got plant food or seed we'll say this is seeds right here food drink clothing and they've got all this, you know, all the things that they need, you know, uh, security, food, you need uh, all, all this. They've got that. They've got much, he says, much seed or much planted. And they've got some food, they've got some drink, they've got some clothes, they've got some wages. But somehow, everything they have is not enough. It's, it's not working out. Here, here, I'll read this. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You're, you clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes in it. And so the idea here, consider this. Somehow you're living in difficult times, but you've managed to build a house even though you don't have time to build my house. But now that you've lived and they've had a, some kind of prosperity because they've got paneled houses. They were able to get wood. They were able to buy some things to make this nice. But the more they built, the more they finished, the more they put together, it's like, man, we just can't seem to finish this project. We, we're always hungry. We're, we're, we don't have enough clothes to stay warm. We can't keep the furnaces warm enough. Nothing's working out. What, what is wrong? And it's like they are actually trying to figure out what? They're actually trying to figure out politically how do we fix this problem you can imagine over the last 20 years the republicans had the office for four years only to be 
voted out by the Democrats who had a president for four years. Only after four years of crazy inflation, the Republicans are back in office. And after four years of Republicans, they've had enough and they vote for another Democrat. And you go back and forth trying to figure out how are we going to solve this problem? Is it, it's like, guys, oh, well, stop, time out. Do you understand? It doesn't matter who's in office. You're saying you're always frustrated. If the Republicans are in office, you've got problems. If the Democrats are in office, you've got problems. If it's the conservative, if it's the liberal, it's like no matter where you go to this school, that's not good. It's like go to this. I switch banks. I switch jobs. I, I can't solve the. Have you considered why are you not able to solve your problem? And you guys say, I'm going to tell you why. He says, you have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes in it. Now, now watch this. This is harsh. You're, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you, unless you're having a building project in your church, and they're going to twist it, you're not going to hear this in your local church. You're not going to hear this in your average counseling session. There's no, there's no one, there's no one, I want to say man enough, but that would be so, uh, uh, so uh, offensive today in this, this soft culture. But there's no one with enough nerve to say this to people. We, we never have enough. Well, there's probably some political reason. There's some probably some cultural reason. There's some probably something's not treating you fair. You maybe need a better education. You maybe need a better governor. You maybe need a better, better, better. Whoa. He says, uh, I'm going to go back to the NIV. This is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down the timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So in other words, he says right here, in, the, in verse 5, give careful thought to your ways. You've done all these things and you never have enough. Verse 7, he says it again. Give careful thoughts to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Here's the situation. What could be the problem? And he says, think about it. He says, you need to go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house. Build the bet so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Let's talk about verse 7 here. Uh, Looking at the notes, all I've got there on the notes is this says, Yahweh of hosts, consider your ways. Second time he says that. Meaning, he says, it means, do the math. Do, it's like, this is like, one plus one is two. It's like, one plus what equals two. It's a math problem. It's, It's that simple. If I could do this in this ridiculous way, one plus what equals two? And the people are going, we just can't figure it out. God says, let's do the math. Consider your ways. You've planted much, but you never can get two. Something's missing. You've got food, but you never have enough. Something's missing. Well, well, we, 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 we voted, we've switched schools, we've switched jobs. Yes, there's no answer, right? We don't know what's wrong. Then he says again, okay, consider your ways. Consider this. Go up into the mountains and get the timber and build my house. I need my house. 
One plus one is two. And until you do that, until you figure that out, you're never going to know what goes there. That's what it means. Consider this. Let's do it in an equation. Verse 7 again. This is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down the timber to build my house. Now, in the, I'm looking here on the notes, page 7. Uh, it says in the English Standard, chapter 1, verse 8, go up to the hills. You see in the Hebrew there, the word is har. Um, and it can be hills or it can be mountains. Uh, turn the page and I've got an example written there, point 1. Hills or mountains comes from Har, as in the word, and you've seen this before, we've talked about it, Har Megiddo. That means hill of Megiddo. Uh, and when you put it into, together and you get it into the New Testament, into Greek, you come into English, it's Armageddon. You know, Armageddon comes from the word Har Megiddo, or the hill of Megiddo. So he is saying... Go up to the hills, and it's plural. Go up to the mountains. It could be either one, hills or mountains. Now, when you think about, you know, go up to the hill, you may think in Jerusalem, go up to the Temple Mount. Go up to Mount Moriah. Go up to the high place of Mount Moriah and build my house. And that would be correct. Go up to the Mount Moriah and build the house. But what he's saying is, go get the timber. Now, to build the house, they're not going to build the temple out of wood. They're going to build the temple out of stone. Okay? We, we know this. That's how they build the buildings. Uh, Solomon quarried stones. Herod quarried stones. Zerubbabel may need to quarry stones, or there's maybe stones around that were all pushed over. Where they need to get the timber is up here in Phoenicia, up here in the mountains of Lebanon the cedars of lebanon david went there to get timbers to build his palace solomon went there to get that's why they they called the the palace of david they call it the 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 forest the the palace or the forest of lebanon As david did solomon did solomon went up there to get timbers from lebanon from phoenicia to build the palace or the 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 temple uh they're going to do the same thing in these days because cyrus gave them permission and gave them access to the king's forest on the other side of the river. Remember, they're over here in Persia, and the forest that's been conquered by the Persians, it's not really Persian, except, per, you know, it's like the Roman Empire. It, it, wherever Roman is at, it's, it's theirs. And so it used to be the Assyrians, then it used to be the Babylonians, well, now it's the Persians, so it's the Persians' forest. And so they gave permission. You can get all the timber you need from the force of Lebanon to build the house for your Lord. Cyrus said that. Uh, Herod will do the same thing. They're going to get timbers from there. So what he's saying right here, most likely in verse 7, uh, this is what the Lord says, give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains. Go up to Lebanon. Follow up where Cyrus says, get your paperwork out. He gave you the documents. Go up there and get the timber out of the forest. Now remember, there's been trouble, there's been bribery, there's been transportation problems, there's been lawsuits, and God isn't saying, well, I'm sorry about the transportation problems, I'm sorry about the lawsuits, I'm sorry about the bribery and the, and the bureaucrats that are causing trouble for you, whatever. Just like he told Jeremiah, we talked last night, go and do it. I told you, go, 
you go. Yeah, but there's a lawsuit. There's, a, there's, a, there's, there's bribery. There's bureaucracy. There's, there's all kinds of travel issues. You see the price of gas. What, we, there's no way we can do this. It's like, you don't live by bread alone. You live by the Word of God. And God is saying, go. And He said, go 20 years ago. Go up in the mountains and bring down the timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Now he says, you expected much, and the reason you need to do this is if you'll take care of this, that's the missing, missing piece in the equation. You expected to get two in your equation. You expected two, but when you did the math, one plus nothing is... <laughs> How's that song? Billy Preston. Nothing plus nothing leaves nothing. (laughs) One plus, it's like you keep getting one, but you need two. I I can't figure this out. He says, well, here's the problem. I'm reading this again. You expected much, but it turned out to be little. What you did bring home, I blew away. God is saying straight up right here, when you didn't do what I wanted you to do, I stopped everything. It's not a political problem. It's not a social problem. It's not an education problem. It's not a financial problem. You have neglected the house of God. We go back. What do you mean? That God just, well, again, he says, so that I might be honored. What he needs you to honor, him. God is honored if you honor him or not. The glory of God is proclaimed across the universe. So God is honored if you do it or not. Who changes if God is honored? The person who is honoring God or God's people they're receiving the life of God. They're receiving the Word of God. What they are missing is they're missing the Word. They're missing God's revelation for them. That's why the prophet's speaking to them, because they've missed it. You expected much, but it, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, he says, I blew away. And this is what I was talking about earlier. God is the one who's causing the problems. And God is causing the problems because the people have neglected His Word. They have said, we will live by bread alone. We will not need the Word of God. And guys, well, I beg to differ because you're never going to figure anything out. And all of a sudden, they've got all kinds of problems. They can't get the equation to work out. It's like, it must be politics. It must be education. It must be, and they give all these reasons. It's like, yeah, you're trying to figure out how to solve this with more bread. You need the Word of God. And God says, I am the one who's blowing it away. Why, he says, why would I do that? Why would God, why would God cause... Now listen, he, he brought these people back 20 years ago to Israel to build the house. They're His people. He brings them back. They have difficulty, so He makes it more complicated for them. He basically puts, he says, you're going, you're, nothing's going to happen. God is the one doing this. He's trying to get their attention. And if God is going to do that, here, here's my point if I want to make an application here today. If God is going to do this to the exiles who he's brought back from captivity because they have neglected his word for 20 years, he said, we're going nowhere until you get this taken care of. Do you think in our society today, that our problem could be God himself. I mean, think about it. It's like, well, it's, it's, the, it's the conservative, it's the liberals, it's the Democrats, it's the education, it's the pharmaceutical companies, it's the oil business, it's the... I mean, everybody's... It's like, have you considered that as a culture, 
we have neglected the word of God. And God says, you're, you're never going to figure this out. You're just going to keep running in circles, coming up, voting people in, blaming different people, but you're never going to get the equation figured out. Consider your ways. Man does not live on bread alone, but you need the word of God. Now, you talk about that as a society. You can talk about the word as in the biblical revelation, like the church is responsible for, or you could push this down here, just basic reality to start with. God has revealed himself in nature. And if you're going to come against God's reality in nature, you're never going to solve this. And then if churches follow the culture and they do away with the teaching of the word of God, the written revelation, the church, who is the pillar and foundation of the truth, Paul tells Timothy, if the church has abandoned the scriptures, if society has abandoned reality, God's revelation in nature, it's not a democratic problem. It's not a Republican problem. You're not going to solve this at the midterms. Because it's, it's, it's not Biden who's blowing away the gas, although he's selling it to China. That's another story. It's, it's, it's God's blowing it away. God is undermining your society until your society comes back to reality it comes back to now if that's what i'm not i'm not haggai okay i'm not haggai saying thus saith the lord i'm the bible teacher reading haggai saying this was the problem in their case it, it, it wasn't because cyrus was a bad leader then cambyses failed his job and now darius is it's like he never says you need a new you need a new empire god is controlling the he is the lord of hosts he's the lord of the angelic rulers and authorities who is over all these empires and you're living in in an empire and he never says your problem is the persian empire or your problem is the rulers and authorities your problem is you don't have a temple you you haven't spent now you've got time to take care of your own house so obviously you've got resources but you haven't taken time to attend to the word of god and he continues why declares lord because of my house because of my bet he says you've had time to build your bet what about my bet which remains a ruin there's the word dry ruin while each of you is busy with his own house he brings it up again it's not a coincidence it's like it's not just something he started with he brings it right back full circle my house is a ruin but yet your house it's paneled therefore because of you not because of the rulers and authorities in heavenly places not because of this corrupt Persian empire, not because of the Samaritans, not because of the bureaucrats and the lawsuits, but because of you, the heavens have withheld their due. Now, you can blame the bureaucrats, but you can also say, God said, build my house. And that's the message to Jeremiah that like we were talking about last, last night. Jeremiah says, it's, they're, they're saying bad things. They're threatening to kill me. And God says, Jeremiah, I'll take care of them. I've told you to do this. It's going to get a lot difficult, a lot more difficult, Jeremiah. You're, going to not, you're struggling with men. I'm going to have you racing horses. You're struggling on the safe pavement. Wait until you have to race through the thickets of the Jordan. And the same thing here. It doesn't matter what is happening around. It matters if you know the word of God. It matters what did God say. And God says, build and now you come up with, here's the word of God, build. Then this person says no, this person says no, no. You see, God, no one's, no one's cooperating. Oh, 
So all these little check marks override God's command. I don't know what to do. Right, because you don't know the word. If you know the word, these check marks would be like, well, whatever, I'm going to build. You can't build. Watch, I'm building. You don't have the resources. God didn't say, if you have the resources, he says, do it. I, I just start building. That whole idea of build it and they will come, <laughs> well, there it is. Build it, it will happen. Why? Because of the word of God. And what God is upset with is he's given them a direct command. He's given them Cyrus. He's given them paperwork. He's got enough to get them started, and they're not moving. And so because of this now, because they're not doing the word, he gave them, you have full power to build. But because you're not building, he's going to do this. He's erasing this. You're never going to figure anything out. Because they're not building, because of you, the heavens have withheld their due, there's the dryness you left my house dry i'm turning your house dry and the earth its crops i called for a drought on the fields and the mountains on the grain on the new wine the oil and whatever the ground produces on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands meaning from from the rain to the cattle to the labor of men to whatever you touched i'm drying it up he gave you the green light. The green light, go, build. And you didn't build, he says, I'm giving you zero. You either do this or you do nothing. Uh, it's like, well, my God would never do that. That's not the way my God is. My God is patient. He's kind. He deals with our weakness. It's like, well then, okay, I, I guess I've got a different religious writing here than what you worship. Because this is the writing of the Lord God that we claim to serve. And he says, I'll give you everything you need. You go build this. You say you can't, and you haven't done it for 20 years. Well, I'm just pulling the plug on your entire culture. You're, until you get this built, you're, you're getting nothing. It's over. And that's the word of Haggai coming to the people. Now, what's interesting, we'll pick this up next week. Verse 12, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, the governor, Joshua, the priest, son of Jehozadak, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed. And like I said last week, that, that is one of the most radical verses in the prophets. You never hear that in the big book of Isaiah. You never hear, and Isaiah thus spoke, and thus the people obeyed. You never hear Jeremiah. Jeremiah just kept getting shoved in. It rejected from the temple, put in stocks, put in prison, put in a hole in the ground, and no one listened. No one listened to Jeremiah. Pro, ho, give me Hosea, Amos. We went through them all. Which one of them? And society stopped and says, "You're right. You have the word of God." And they all started. It says, uh, "And they all obeyed the voice of the Lord their God." It doesn't say they obeyed Haggai. They didn't say they 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 caught the vision of the pastor. They didn't say that. They didn't follow Joshua or Zerubbabel. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. They heard God's word, and they says, we found the missing piece. And the message of the prophet Haggai, because they, they, they obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the, watch this, because the Lord, their God, had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. They, yeah, they recognized Haggai, 
but not because he was merely a, a great speaker. He had a great heart. He got along with the people. They realized this man was sent by the Lord. We're listening to Haggai because we're afraid of the voice behind the prophet. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord to the people. Now God says, watch this, I am with you. A complete 180. I'm blowing everything away because you're not doing what I want. And people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now we see. Let's get this done. And they start building. And God says, okay, Haggai, tell them now, I am with you. Now again, he was with them from the beginning when the word said build. This was what God wanted them to do. God says, do this. They went over here and says, no, we can't. God says, I'm going to just keep causing all kinds of commotion over here. And finally, they go back over here and go, okay, we will build. And God says, I'm with you. Now, it's not like God, where's God been the whole time? The word says build. The people went over here. And when they came back over here, it says, okay, now I'm with you. But actually, they're back with God. I mean, that it's, it's that simple. Now, as we wrap this up, we'll pick this up next week. I want to point this out because this is one of the things I, I put in my, my Jerusalem book. It's right here. Just, it, it's it's it was laying right there for me tonight because I just got done typing it this week. On page 8, uh, this is a picture of Tony in 2010. And I, got, I saw it again in 2012. It wasn't until after that time when I realized, well, I, 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 I'm just taking a picture here. And then the next picture. Uh, I, I had a crop, that next picture. I did not know what it was. I mean, I, did, I wasn't even thinking. I'm just taking pictures. I'm just up there. There's so many times people always made fun of me because I'm, I took a lot of pictures. Because it's like, okay, there, what is that? I don't know. That's, I, I knew what that was, but I just took all these pictures. I got 5,000 pictures of, of Israel every trip. And so it's like when something comes up in the news, it's like, I wonder if I've got something like that. They got it's it's monotonous. You just click, click, zoom in. No, click, click, and then you're learning the whole time. You're looking up, you're researching. What has happened? I've got better. I've just put this in here a little bit of information. What has happened? If you care to know, and if you don't, I'm going to tell you anyhow. Is they brought in? They had built with stones. Okay, they're building the temple or the, a building on the temple. Say it's Solomon. Say that's a bad wall right there and then they would have to put a ceiling on it and they would get beams from Lebanon. this was david's palace this was solomon's palace it was solomon's temple it was the buildings it was solomon's colonnade going around the temple in herod's day we'll talk about that at some point and when they get their wall built it's a long wall they would put a beams like this this wall goes back like this this wall goes back like this okay they're all these stones 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 and then they put across here they'd put a beam And that'd be their ceiling. Hey, I'm drawing this kind of sloppy. Okay, is that making sense at all? There's a beam. There's a beam. And then they would come in and they'd panel. They put panels of wood on the walls. They put paneling on the ceiling, like we hang sheetrock. Just like think of paneling, just like we think of sheetrock. We sheetrock everything and then we paint it. They would put the beams up. Then they'd take these would be cedar beams, uh, or it could be cypress. They put cedar panels on the wall, and they'd carve. In Solomon's temple, the panels were all carved with trees. It was, it, if you read the description, when he walked into the tabernacle or the temple, 
it was like walking into a garden. They had cherubim or angels and trees on all around in the temple. And it would be covered. Then, they, then, then in the temple, they took that wood and they covered it with gold. So you had stone with paneling. Then the carvers came in and decorated with carving. Nice. Are you going to polyurethane it? No, we're going to cover it with gold. And then they come in and cover it with gold. And now you're in the temple. Now the palace would be different, but that's the idea. Now the Babylonians come in 586 B.C. And this is, this is, this is absolutely true. 586 B.C., the Babylonians come in. They destroy the temple. They burn it to the ground. Now if you've ever gone through and you've seen a burn disaster, uh, yeah, some things can get burned to the ground and it's all gone. But there are so many beams and there's so much wood that when they get done, and you've seen this, the house is burnt, but there's still wood sitting all around. There's still wood. And so when, when 586, when Jerusalem burned, I guarantee you, not every cedar beam from Lebanon was burnt up. When these guys come back in, in 539, there's still some cedar beams. Now the thing is, the cedar and the cypress it weathers well. It doesn't rot like pine does or spruce. I made a fence one time in my yard out of just white pine spruce wood. And then it, two years later, everything tipped over. It's like, what happened? It rotted. That fa- Well, then I learned about, you know, I'm learning. I was young. I'm still young. Uh, they built. Then comes... Uh, Herod, Herod comes in and he builds everything up even more, even brings in more cedar logs. And he's building, let's say, 40 to 4 B.C. In fact, the temple is still being built in Jesus. I will just say 30 A.D., 40 B.C. to 30 A.D. They're still building, you know, all the substructure was done before the time of Christ. But there's cedar beams. Then the Romans come in in 70 A.D. and burn it down again. But it is possible that some of these logs from Solomon's temple were reused in Zerubbabel's temple and I mean there's so many of them and they brought in more so there's new logs or beams there's they could have survived some into Herod's temple from Solomon's temple through Zerubbabel's temple into Herod's temple then it gets burnt down in 70 AD but then the Romans come in and build and eventually in the 600s let's say this say let's just say 700 700 AD the Muslims come and they start building. They're going to build the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is on the south side of the Temple Mount. And you can go in there and look up at the ceiling and you can see beams. Now there's been a series of earthquakes, you know, in, you know, in 1006 B.C. Then there's a couple in the 1800s. And where the, where the Mount Moriah is at, it's a mound where the temple sat or where the Dome of the Rock sat, it sits on the bedrock at the top of the mountain. So when there's an earthquake... It doesn't move. But there's a retaining wall built. They built a wall all the way around it. And then they filled it in. Solomon's temple, or Herod's temple, is huge. The temple mount is huge. You can walk on it today. But as you go further and further to the south, you're walking on more and more fill, if you know what I'm saying. Meaning it's not solid. It's just been packed in and covered up. And they build a building on it. So when there's an earthquake, like the Mount of Olives is going to have an earthquake and has had earthquakes, and there's a, they're, they're sitting on a fault line, when that moves, that, that, it shifts, the Dome of the Rock or the Temple, it's just like, it just sit on the rock and move back and forth. But over here, it's, it's just the, the dirt shifting again, and it, boom, it comes down. Well, the El-Aqsa Mosque that was built around 700s 
It's been sitting there, and every time there's an earthquake, something caves in. They've got to go up, pull beams out, put beams in. And they've done that for 1,300 years. Then they take the beams and they pile them up somewhere. In the 1900s, the, uh, the, the museum across the street from the Damascus Gate, the Rockefeller Museum, they went through all of the piles of wood that were just on the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount is not like maybe what you would think. You'd think it'd be like everything's all swept up and glorious. It's like, oh. It's like there's piles of garbage different places. It'd be like there's, there's like construction going on. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like going by Jordan Creek right now. You've got the nice mall, but meanwhile, they've got dust over here, and they're putting up a new building, and there's stacks of supplies over here. There's always something going on. So they would just pile up these these logs or these building supplies but in the 1900s they went through those and they pulled out all of them that had any kind of carving or decoration on them and put them over to save them in the 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 rockefeller museum also during the 1900s they've done a couple different tests on these logs to date them and when those dating came out it revealed that there is there's definitely on the Temple Mount today, in use and was stacked up, temple uh, uh, cedars uh, from the time of Herod, from the New Testament temple. They ran, ra- everything they could find, they ran a test on it. They found at least one from 950 B.C. It was a cedar from Lebanon dated from 950 B.C. They found one from the time, this time right around 540. They found several from around Herod's time, the New Testament time. They found a whole bunch from the Byzantine building time between 400 and 600 A.D. They found these. When they found out that there was, then they were saying, we found, we found timber from the temple, the Muslims went into action. They began to, first of all, they took at one point they, there was just extra timber and people were just like selling them to people and they were just recycling them using them somewhere else in jerusalem but when they found this there was talk about burn piles and one time i when i was there i could see smoke coming burning that these logs were being burnt these beams were being burnt some people say it was garbage there's a big discrepancy on what was are they burning garbage are they building burning these but nonetheless, what you're looking at there in that picture of Tony and she's walking, that's, that's by the Golden Gate. There used to be a bigger pile there in 2010 or 12. That, those were gone, and I have to look over the edge down inside there to see the beams. But those are cedar logs. Now, I can't tell you what year those are from, but they're ancient. They're, they're from 6700 B.C. or 40 B.C., uh, I, they're, but they're not from like last week. They're not from the 1800s. Those are cedars from Lebanon. And at the next picture, you can see I've got a close-up of one right there. They even found one, which is interesting, that was setting, and I've got to quit. They found one that was, had been, it had indentations. Like if you had these standing on a pillar, like if this was a pillar right here. Okay, how would I draw a pillar right here? There's a pillar. And on Solomon's colonnade, there's holes in the bedrock where Santa, Santa, uh, uh, Fort Antonia was where these beams used to set in a socket every like 10 feet, 8 inches. There'd be a beam, 
and then there'd be a pole on the outside, a, a, a marble pole, and they, that would be Solomon's colonnade. It went all the way around the Temple Mount. You can still see, but they got trees growing up in front of them, so you can't. I could see them in 2007, a little bit in 2000. By 2012, you can't see them anymore. Because once someone identifies them, and that's where they'd set the beams from Solomon's colonnade and put a pillar on it. They would have every 10 feet, 8 inches, one of these beams, it had an impression of a pillar every 10 feet, 8 inches, which matches exactly Josephus's measurements for where the, the pillars were setting. So it's a very good chance that beam was part of Solomon's colonnade when Jesus was on the temple where the uh, early church met, and it talks about Solomon's colonnade. Anyway, that's just kind of an interesting thing uh, that I, I kind of... Anyway, they were supposed to go up and get some beams. That beam you're looking at right there might have been a beam they got to build the temple. Probably not. It's probably from the Byzantine time period, but it's gone now. They got rid of it. Okay, thank you. I've got to go. You can Google that. Beams from Solomon's temple, burn pile, stuff like that. Their pile, huge pile was piled up right there, as you see right there. They're gone there at the eastern gate or the golden gate. That's where they were piled up at. And there, you can find a scientific research on it. Father, we do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We thank you for your word, and we ask that we would be faithful to your truth that we would not be those that are negligent or holding back or taking care of our own concerns because we don't think it's your time. But, Father, that we would be moved by your word, moved by your spirit to do the things you've called us to do and, and follow the green lights that you open the doors for us to go through. Father, we thank you for this chance. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your time.